You pick up your Bible and wonder, is there more here than meets the eye? Is there something here for me? I mean, it's just words printed on paper, right? Well, it may look like just print on a page, but it's more than ink. Join us for the next half hour as we explore God's Word together, as we learn how to explore it on our own, as we ask God to meet us there in its pages. Welcome to More Than Ink. Hey, today we're going back up the mountain with Moses with those new blank stones where God is going to renew the covenant with Israel. Right, and remember, a covenant has things that two parties do, Israel does and God does. What does God say about what he's going to do? Yeah, that's the most amazing thing about what we're going to read today on, on More Than, Than Ink. and welcome back to our dining room table. I'm Dorothy. And I'm Jim. And we have our Bibles open in front of us. We have been reading Exodus and we are in chapter 34, the second part of chapter 34 yes. today. Moses is back up on top of the mountain. Yes, back on the mountain. So Jim, tell us where we've been. Well, what we realized was that this is God telling Moses who he is before mm-hmm. he reestablishes the covenant. And we've sort of known it, but it's just a wonderful thing. If you remember in chapter 33, Moses pled with God to, uh, to, to show him, show Moses his glory. And God says, I will make all my goodness pass before you. Yeah. Exodus 33. And sure enough, that's what he does when he describes his name here. And it it is such a famous section in terms of understanding who God is in short form version. We just read last week that even even King David, when he was when he was not king, when he was in trouble and he was writing songs about God, he would quote this. Mm-hmm. And so I'll just quote to you from Psalm 86 because this is this is a nutshell of what God told Moses. He says, uh, Psalm eighty six fifteen. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Well, you know, David didn't make that up. No, he's quoting Moses. God, well, he's quoting God. God said that to Moses <laughs> from this last conversation, week. Yeah. So yeah, so things are on the mend between the nation of Israel and God. But now, as we're at the top of the of the Mount Sinai, we need to reestablish that covenant. So you'll see a lot of things in today's episode that will sound familiar to you, and we'll point out where they are. But this really is a reiteration, but an expansion on a lot of these points of the covenant. Well, and and the relationship is on the mend, not because Israel was so remorseful right, or repentant, right. but because God is so gracious. Yes, this is God's merciful graciousness <laughs> come <laughs> kicking in right here, which is why it's nice that God prefaced all of this. This today with this is who I am and so uh, so we, we are going to continue on by reiterating uh, the covenant so Moses has come back up to the mountain with the new stone tablets the blank ones the blank in ones. his hand he's ready to go and I think they're more hand-sized well it would seem to be because it says he carried them in his hand in his hand yeah and we know that they were gonna be small enough to fit inside the Ark of the Covenant exactly. so that's probably helpful but I but I checked the parallel passage in Deuteronomy where Moses himself gives us a narrative of right, what's happening right. here. He uses the same thing. He says the tablets were in his hand. In his hand. Singular. Yeah. So they're, they're small enough to carry on one side of your body. So there we go. Okay. Well, let's, well, let's, let's read. Let's better put read. something on these tablets. <laughs> Verse 10 of chapter 34. Okay. And he said, now this is the Lord talking. And he said, behold, I am making a covenant before all your people. I will do marvels such as have not been created in all the earth or in any nation. And all the people among whom you are shall see the work of the Lord, for it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. Let's stop. Let's stop there. Yeah. 
It's well, an how many awesome times does God says, I will, I will, I will? Well, this is the covenant. The covenant is, is a proclamation from two sides. And this is God okay. saying, my side. I am, I will, I will do. And, and in a, a large way, I mean, he'll get to the specifics in a second, but he says, I will do marvels. Right. I will do all these things, such that has never been seen on the earth ever. And everybody's going to see him and, and know that it's me. And they're going to be seen, yeah. yeah. And all the people among whom you are shall see the work of the Lord. And that, that's a big deal because we've stated this before. The nation of Israel, the, the stated purpose for God's plan with the nation of Israel isn't just to bless one people, but to bless all, all the peoples, peoples in the world by using Israel as his vehicle, in a sense, to show what life looks like with God at the right. center. So what God is going to do, which is going to be marvelous, will be seen by the peoples that they go among, and that's on purpose. That's their purpose as a nation, is to glorify who God is. And that's what's going to go on. He says it's going to be marvels, and they're going to be awesome things that I'm going to do with you. So wouldn't you like to go into a contract with a covenant with someone? <laughs> And say, well, what are you going to do for me? Things people have never seen before. Well, okay, so only if you've seen them do those things before right. are you going to right. be excited about that. And Israel had seen God do some incredible things. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Up to this point, so they have reason to be hopeful. Not just not just this this declaration at the front end. I'm going to do great stuff. Okay, Believe so me. God has said, I will do these things. And yeah. then verse 11, he was on, observe what I command you this day. So here comes your part. Right, now, your part now. Behold, I will drive out before you the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now, all, those are all the people who currently inhabit the yes. land of Canaan. Yes, yes. And those are the same groups of peoples that he had named to Abraham way back in Genesis 15. Yeah, yeah. As the peoples whose iniquity was not complete yet, God had given them 400 years. Had to wait for them to get right. Truly nasty. To, to for their <laughs> their sinfulness to fully blossom. To really ripen. Okay, so verse 12. Take care, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land to which you go, lest it become a snare in your midst. Mm. You shall tear down their altars and break their pillars and cut down their asherim, for you shall worship no other god. For the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Mm. Lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, and when they whore after their gods and sacrifice to their gods, and you are invited, you eat of this sacrifice. Mm. And you take their daughters for your sons, and their daughters whore after their gods, and make your sons whore after their gods. Whoa. Okay, that's pretty strong language. <laughs> it seems very insensitive. I mean, it seems <laughs> culturally sensitive? very non-inclusive, to use words of these days right now. But, but he's clear about what the problem is. The problem isn't that the Israelites are some way superior to no. these other people or or more even more loved than these other people by God. The issue is that these other people believe some horribly tragic, self-destructive spiritual things. Well, and the you do Canaanite, not want to be Canaan. The you don't Canaanite want... religion was a fertility religion. It was oh, yeah. all about sex. Yeah. It was hor it was horrible. So he's saying I'm not being insensitive here. I am protecting you. I do not want you to get into this stuff. And not because my religion is right and their religion is wrong. Well, that's true. The issue is what they believe is self-destructive to you. And tear it down. And tear it down. I don't Obliterate want those it. things standing and in the exactly. land to ensnare you. Don't tolerate their presence. You need to actually eradicate them. And he, you know, he, he told them this already back in chapter 23. He said, do exactly this kind of thing. Uh, or else you're going to bow down to their gods and you're going to serve them. There's an now, influence here. Okay, but he doesn't say here, go in there and kill them. No, he says, no. I will drive them out. Yep. You just tear down their 
religious statuary yeah. and their Because I had to check this when I, when I back to chapter 23 when he first says this. He says, I will blot them out. Right. I will blot them out, but you shall not bow down to their gods or serve them. So as a result, or do as they do, you shall utterly overthrow them and break their pillars into pieces. Right. So the, it's the belief structure of the Canaanites and Jebusites that is so dangerous to the people of Israel, not just the general warfare, because these people live in these places. Right. You know, they're going to have to be pushed out. There's going to be warfare because they don't want to leave their homes. That's not the biggest threat. The biggest threat is spiritual. And that's something kind of we can take to us today. The biggest threat to us is spiritual warfare, is the spiritual lies that swing around and make us believe things that are, in the end, self-destructive, well, although on the front they look okay. And the seduction of this this religious system that appeals to the flesh. Yes, and it is appealing. It, it really is appealing. Well, and we'll see that Israel stumbled over it again and again. Yeah. But let's let's circle back here in verse 14 when God says, uh, for the Lord, whose name is jealous, jealous, is a jealous God. Yeah, yeah. What do you make of that? We think of jealousy as a negative emotion, but God says, no, no, it is a primary characteristic of mine. Yeah, well, you know, we've used many times the metaphor of a husband and wife because mm-hmm. God uses that metaphor right. between his relationship with him and Israel. So in that context, jealousy is a husband saying, you know, I don't want you for anyone else. We have a mutually exclusive relationship. Right. That's and the I, jealousy. I permit no rivals. That's right. No, That's right. there is no appropriate rival in this relationship. That's right. This I is don't, exclusively I, one-on-one. I don't want you to turn away from me and look for other husbands, as it right. were. And that's why he uses in his word to kind of this whoring around idea. It's this idea of getting yourself well, connected with someone, someone Because else. in Canaanite religion, you would go to a high place, any old high place, and there yeah. were lots of high places. Lots and of high places. Do the, do the thing. That's right. And so it was, it was completely, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, promiscuous. Promiscuous. Totally promiscuous. Yep. yep. And he, he points out the fact that when you, especially when you intermarry, when you intermarry with people who have different beliefs, you are vulnerable to taking on their right. beliefs. You really need to be careful. And I bring this up a lot in premarital counseling that this unequally yoked kind of idea is, you know, you're going to end up um, cross-pollinating each other's beliefs with each other. So you got to be careful that you know what the other person really believes. It's a big deal. It's a really big deal. And here God's saying it will draw you away. I mean, mm-hmm. you can resist all you want about how crazy their theology is or their God worship. But you know what? When your sons start marrying their daughters and your daughters right. start marrying their sons, There's look gonna out, man. There's going to be this intermixing. It's going to happen. It's yeah. just going to happen. So, so don't do it, it. Is it possible God's saying, now, here's the, the first thing to remember, right? I'm the Lord your God. I brought you out of Egypt. Remember your mine. Your mine. Remember right. who you are and whose you are. Yeah, that's right. And in fact, as we finished last week, Moses says, you know, will you take us for your inheritance again? Right. That's back to that possession. So that is a one-on-one relationship. Yeah. So this is first off in re- in kind of reviewing and renewing the covenant. Mm-hmm. Is your mind and and be careful. Don't get sucked into the So even though we don't have the verbatim reiteration of I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, you shall have no other gods before me. Yeah. He's kind of amplifying on that That's and he it, right follows here. it up by saying you shall not make for yourself any gods of cast metal. Yeah. Like read my lips just in case you don't remember what happened with that and this is exactly right. the same term of the molten metal. That's uh, right. Don't do that. Yeah, yep. Yeah, and he's he's explicit when he talks about the 10 commandments, no carved image no likeness of anything that's in heaven because hey you're going to turn around and you're going to worship them so Mm -hmm. just don't do it 
So he says it just very shortly here. Don't make for yourself any gods of cast metal. Remember the golden calf, which was just heartbeats before this. Yeah. 18? Yeah, let me just finish this thought about being a jealous God. That set Mm -hmm. me thinking about all those passages in Isaiah 42, 43, 44, 45. I am God. There is no other. other. There is no other God created before me. I I am your Savior. I am your Redeemer. Over and over and over again. Yeah. I am the Lord, and there is no other. Yep, yep. Yeah, the great Shema, you know, I am the Lord. Hear, O Israel, the Lord Lord your God God is is one. one. He's one. There is one. Yeah. There is the one. Yeah. Okay. Okay. 18. Let me read for us. Okay. So you shall keep the feast of unleavened bread. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread as I commanded you at the time appointed at the month of Abib. For in the month of Abib you came out from Egypt. So he's just saying, you know, keep doing that Pentecost and unleavened bread thing. Well, remember that. Well, so this is not. Yeah. Okay. Remember that I'm the one that delivered you. Exactly. Yeah. And that the unleavened bread. This is the Passover, not Pentecost. Did I say Pentecost? Yeah, you oh, did. Oh, I meant Passover. Uh, that's what confused oh, me. I'm sorry, no, no, sorry. no. We're talking about the Passover. I, just, I misspoke. <laughs> yeah, this is Passover. Because the unleavened bread is meant to remind you of getting up quick and leaving, and you right. didn't have time. So that, that unleavened bread will always be a sign of that. It's also a sign of the lack of yeast, which always is pictured as sin. Right. So there's a couple issues there. But I mean, just most pragmatically, you left Egypt in a rush. You couldn't uh, let your bread rise. So eat some unleavened bread. It will remind you what I've done for you. Right. Remember yeah. that I delivered you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thir- uh, 19? 19. And all that, all that open the womb are mm-hmm. mine. All your male livestock, the firstborn of cow and sheep, the firstborn of a donkey, you shall redeem with a lamb. Or if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. All the firstborn of your sons, you shall redeem, and none shall appear before me empty-handed. Well, we've heard this before. Ah, remember the yeah. ransom. Yeah, the ransom. All that you have belongs yep. to me. Yep, yep. Everything born to you comes yep. from my faithfulness. Yep. And if you want to see where this first came out, it's in chapter 13 of Exodus. Right. And we, we talked a lot about that. But I want to reiterate the firstborn idea. Mm-hmm. In, in ancient families, the firstborn was the one who carried on the right. family. They're the one, they were the... They were the uh, the ones that pushed forward the agenda and purpose. Everything that the family is, the firstborn carried that. Well, they represented their father. They represented their father. Yeah, and could actually, while the father was alive, but elderly, could make contractual arrangements as though he were the father. So this firstborn idea is a way of God saying, everything that you have uh, is mine. <laughs> and, and carrying forward the tradition of your families and the purpose of your families, it's really my family because all of your firstborn are my firstborn. Right. So he's basically saying that as a large family, your firstborn are mine. So they represent my will and my agenda and my larger family, not your own small ones as your family. It's well, a different thing. And if you remember when they came out of Egypt, it was at the cost of the first, of the first born, born of the entire nation of Egypt. Yep. And the only reason that the firstborn of Israelites didn't die too was because they sacrificed the lamb, put the blood on the doorway and took refuge inside the yes. blood. Yeah. So, you I know, mean, this is a reference to that ransom yeah you belong to god yep and we talked a lot about that last time but he's he's just reiterating here don't forget the firstborn thing mm-hmm. big big deal big deal okay so there's the passover right don't forget right. you shall right. keep remember that i delivered you and then he goes on in verse 21 six days you shall work but on the seventh day you shall rest so remember the sabbath mm-hmm. right in plowing time and in harvest you shall rest 
Yes. That's uh, that idea yeah, of a people again. who rest in God, in his mm-hmm. provision and trust in his enoughness for them yep. is core here. Yep. The tremendous luxury in an agrarian economy of resting. Of rest. And, yeah. and, uh, and having to entrust the welfare of mm-hmm. your hard worked crops. Right. To God on that day, you don't do anything. You're not going to go out and pick grasshoppers on that day. <laughs> <laughs> and if you know grasshoppers, they can eat your entire your entire season of crops in a day. In a day. Yeah. So it's really, it's as much uh, the luxury of rest as it is trust. Will God preserve what I have? So this is really the core of what it is to live as a people whose center is God. Yeah. And probably one of the greatest distinctives in the nations that they were among right. is that these people take a day off. Can you believe right. that? What? Right. That's just crazy talk. Yeah. And then it goes on, verse 22. You shall observe the Feast of Weeks, the first fruits of the wheat harvest, and the Feast of Ingathering at the year's end. Okay, so those are two different feasts. Yes. Yeah. So so he's actually introducing verse 23. Three times in the year you shall, all your males shall appear before the Lord God, the God of Israel. So there are these three times right. in a three year times. and these these three times a year gatherings persist through the time of jesus and uh and they go on i mean in our modern vernacular it's passover and pentecost and tabernacles but he booths. says now remember the uh, in the feast of weeks the first fruits and in the in gathering remember your harvest is from me that's right i'm the one that's that right. protected your crops while you were resting yes. and trusting me yeah so we remember who you are remember you belong to me remember that i give you rest remember Remember the ransom price. Remember that I'm the one that, yeah. that gives you harvest. And I give you harvest. Yep. And I even give you rains for your harvest. So this mm-hmm. is this is all about who God is and what God gives. Yeah. Yeah. So keep doing that. That's important. So the three times you'll get together and, and you'll jointly celebrate that. Corporately together. recognize yeah, as corporately. a nation. Yeah. Yeah. And then 24, I will cast out nations before you and enlarge your borders. No one shall covet your land when you go up to appear before the Lord your God three times a year. That's interesting. Isn't that interesting? Because all the males, you know, the defensive right, guys, all the defenders, the guys who know how to wield swords, they're going to Jerusalem or wherever, you know, while they're in the desert. Right. They're going away, and that would leave your land very vulnerable. And as soon as word got out to the other nations that, hey, go run one of these three times right. a year, we can take the whole land because their men are someplace else. Right. And God says, nope, not going to happen. I'm watching out. So this is a bigger kind of protectiveness that comes from the Sabbath where you trust God for your crop when you can't protect it. Here it is. Come and worship me and give me credit for the, the crops that I've grown for you. And by the way, I will. are you willing to trust me that I'll yeah. protect your families? Hmm. Yeah. And your homes and not from invasion. Well, yeah, God says, yeah, well, I'll, I'll take care of that. I'll do that. 25. Yeah, so he's going to actually, in the next couple of verses, kind of hearken back to those things that he's already mentioned. So yeah. in verse 25, he says, You shall not offer the blood of my sacrifice with anything leavened, or let the sacrifice of the feast of the Passover remain until morning. So there's a looking back to the Passover. Mm-hmm. The best of the first fruits of your ground you shall bring to the house of the Lord your God. So there's a reference to first fruits and mm-hmm. ingathering. Mm-hmm. But then this next one, you shall not <laughs> boil a young goat in its mother's milk. Yeah. That is a head scratcher. Yeah, we saw that in chapter 23. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It's yeah. exactly this way. So that it's yeah. like, what is that about? Yeah. We, we talked at length about that. And one of my best explanations is that this was a, 
uh, boiling a goat in its mother's milk is kind of a pagan imitation. It's possible that that's yeah, a that's one way to look that at that's it. That's one way of looking at it. Yeah, but today it spawned an entire kosher rule about not having dairy <laughs> meat and, and milk. meat ever yeah. touching. So uh, it's, it's kind of interesting because you can have a meal like in the evening if you're in Israel and it'll be full of meat, but you won't find any dairy. You won't find any you, butter yeah, on that table. You only get powdered creamer in your coffee no, at night. No way. But like at breakfast, it might switch and you might have you might be overwhelmed with dairy, but you're not going to find any meat there. So yeah so that comes from this one verse right here yeah funny <laughs> yeah okay well we're running tight let's keep moving should we keep moving yeah okay yeah. so verse 27, 27. and yeah. the lord said to moses write these words for in accordance with these words i have made a covenant with you and with israel mm. so he was there with the lord 40 days and 40 nights he neither ate bread nor drank water and he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant the ten commandments yeah they're back on the tablets. So this is kind of an overview of what it means to live as God's nation. But we're going to get the ten words back on the rocks. That's right. Yeah, that's <laughs> at right. The end here. So we're we're kind of we're kind of back to square one again. You know, it looks like things are back on track. God reminds him of the covenant. Yeah. God has said, "I haven't changed. What right. I expect from you, from my people, hasn't changed." Yes. Uh, read my lips. Let's make this clear. <laughs> what do you make of the fact that we have, again, Moses on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights, like yeah. we were told back in chapter 24. Right. But this time there's this emphasis that he neither ate bread nor drank water. Yeah, I, I noticed that too. And you know, you can you can get by 40 days without eating bread, but it's impossible. 40 days without water is a lot. That's really hard. I mean, that's nearly impossible. It, it sort of underscores the supernatural divine mm-hmm. uh sustaining that God gave to Moses while he's doing this. Well, and I wonder if there isn't a, um, a an austerity about the repentance that's going on as Moses has fallen on his face before the Lord and he is mm-hmm. so consumed with consumed with the Lord. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't have a definitive answer here, but it's interesting yeah. that that's a detail that differs from the previous 40 days. Yeah. Well, and it's also, in general, when we talk about fasting, in general, the emphasis is to is to deny your appetite and your needs right. and focus on God's will. Right. And so that's a lot of what's being said right here is that Moses was focused entirely on God's oh, God. will. Mm-hmm. And so he wanted to find out. So that's, that's one way of saying that. It's not metaphoric. I think it's literal here. But if that's what the thing is. Moses was focused. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he didn't eat and he didn't drink. And he was focused on what God wanted, which again, too, is exactly what you see Jesus doing when he goes in the wilderness right. to the beginning of ministry. Right. You know, he, he, he goes for 40 days, 40 nights. And the whole point is to say, I am focusing on God's will and not my own. It's mm-hmm. all about God. So that's what he does during that time as well. Whew. Yeah. So he wrote on the tablets, the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. I might read for you, too, again, in Moses' own narrative, look-back narrative that you find in mm-hmm. Deuteronomy. Uh, he, he sums this up in Deuteronomy 10, and he says, and he, and he wrote on the tablets, talking about God. Right. God wrote on the tablets, in the same writing as before, the Ten Commandments that the Lord had spoken to you on the mountain out of the midst of the fire on the day of the assembly. And the Lord gave them to me. This is Moses speaking. Then I turned and came down from the mountain and put the tablets in the ark that I had made, and there they are, as the Lord commanded me. Mm-hmm. I like that. And there they are. There they are. They are. Yeah. As and, if anybody could go in and look to well, see if yeah. they were there. Said, well, right? well, they're inside the tabernacle, but, uh, <laughs> but but there they are. They're inside that. Yeah. So, 
but which is a way of him subtly saying, and we didn't bust him the second time. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're, they're still there. They're still well, there. Well, it was Moses that broke them. Yeah, exactly. But representationally as the people abandoning them. Yeah, yeah. So is there anything missing in this in this uh, reiterating of the covenant that you can think of? Because I was scratching my head. I couldn't really come up with. There's lots of details. No, we've heard it all before. Yeah. What we do, I mean, we're back in chapter 19, back in chapter 23. We've heard all of this before. It's yeah. like God is taking them back to now. You are my people. You are my nation. I want to live in your midst. And this is what it must look like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he's kind of taken them back to the core and while we don't have the detailed ten commandments rewritten right, here right. Uh, they're all kind of implicit we know what they are yeah. they're implicit in God saying I am the jealous yeah. God yeah. you shall have no other gods before me and yeah. implicit in that is all the other expectations yeah yeah, what, what I love in this is that in the reiteration of the covenant, both sides, what God mm-hmm. will do and what the people will do, the people's side isn't surprising, but but God's summary at the beginning here about what he'll do, and we and we know he's going to do uh, an incredible yeah. work against the people that live in the land, but when he says, I will do marvels, marvels. and it mm-hmm. will be an awesome thing I will do, I just think that's a tremendously beautiful way of God saying every resource at my command I'm going to do for your benefit and you're not going to believe what's going to happen it's going to be awesome it's going to be marvelous it's going to be earth shaking and by the way not only you will be amazed by it but the world around you will be amazed I think that's just that's the short that's the short statement of God's side of the contract I'm engaged here for your benefit and you're not going to believe what I'm going to do I love that Uh, oh I do too and he, he never quite said it quite like that when he talked about the covenant before, but here he says, I'm still committed to that. Well, and he doesn't start into this conversation by saying, now, you do. He starts by right. saying, I, I will do. do. Start to I himself. will do, and it's going to be good. Exactly. I, I really just love this. Yeah. So be enthused about the fact that although I was angry, and I'm slow to anger, but I was angry, but look, I'm committed to do astonishing things on your behalf. So stick with me and watch what happens. Hmm. Well, next week we come down off the mountain, we come down to the foot of the mountain, and Moses is visibly different looking when he comes down (laughs) from the mountain, and that visible appearance change really messes people up. Aaron and the people, they all take 10 steps back and say, whoa. Well, it attracts their attention, that's for sure. We're going to see that next week, so find out what it is when we come back here again on More More Than Than Ink. Than Ink is a production of Main Street Church of Brigham City and is solely responsible for its content. To contact us with your questions or comments, just go to our website, morethaninc.org. There we go. Let that go. There we go. <laughs>